Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chant TV, it feels like we just said goodnight for the evening alongside the managing editor of Warchant.com. He is Irish Rafael. He's back in the right part of Florida. That is Tallahassee, Florida. He is uh, in Warchant headquarters slash Chauffel office. My name is Tom Lang, the director of original content here at Warchant TV, Warchant.com. And a happy 12-0 Sunday to everybody out there. And if you're hate-watching from Gainesville, happy first day of your offseason for Florida Gators <laughs> football. This is the Sunday Smash presented by State Farm agent Russ Voorhis, a longtime supporter of Florida State Athletics, and of course, one of the OGs in terms of supporting Warchant.com, Warchant TV. Ira, how you doing? Did you get some sleep, get caught up maybe uh, <laughs> all six hours or uh, a little bit less? No, no, no not quite. We, Aslan, Aslan and I would try to get some work done in Gainesville before we headed back, and so we didn't roll into town, roll into my crib at about 345, I think. And then uh, got up this morning too early. So, uh, no, yeah, not a great night's sleep. But uh, I was kind of surprised that when we got in at 345, I thought we would hop on the uh, computer and see you guys still doing the, the post-game <laughs> show. But you, I guess you had concluded. We must have just missed you. You did. Uh, I think it, It's a new record that we may try to break uh, this upcoming weekend if, if the news is good from Charlotte. I think it was three hours, ten minutes. Um it was just the support, Ira. I mean, really, I'll pivot to this just to thank everybody out there. The support was massive. Upwards of 5,000 of you had tuned in at, at any given time for the first couple hours. The amount of uh, Super Chat contributions, the amount of callers. Ira, you joined us, I think, into out. we were in hour three of the broadcast. I see. I thought you guys were done. By the time by the time we got done with interviews and we were done with the wrap and then we went back up to the press box, press box um, like I looked on the – YouTube channel, I, for some reason, it looked different. I thought you guys were done. And then Gene texted him. was like, uh, are you guys coming on? So <laughs> anyway. It got a little froggy. There might have been some uh, some adult language in the beginning of it. Uh, you know. I've seen I, some of that. Seen it, some of that. Yeah. You know me. I, I had a little bit of it, but that's not typically my bag, uh, at least in the postgame show. But it was an emotional night last night in so many ways, and you got to feel that in a way that so many of us wanted to. Like, you know, there, there's a FOMO in, in a situation like – Going on the road at eleven and zero, somebody your rival trying to spoil everything for you. That press box is open air. At least I believe it still is, right? It so is. you get yep. to feel the essence of what the swamp was last night, and that must have been some kind of atmosphere, especially because Ira, much like Miami had a couple of weeks before, they had hope that they were going to knock off Florida State for a, a solid two two and a half hours until Florida State just outlasted them. That must have been one hell of a night to document. Yeah, it was it was 
pretty neat, especially from the time Florida State scored uh, late in the second quarter. Um, up until that point, it was like, man, this, uh, you know, you start thinking, man, are they going to get the ball inside their 10-yard line every, every time? Is taking a uh, just, you know, never get a chance to get anything going? And uh, they got that drive. And, and, and I just, like, even talking to some of the Florida media at halftime, some of my friends that cover UF, uh, at halftime, they were all like, okay, well, this is – Probably not going to go Florida Florida's way in the second half. They've seen this script before, and uh, and that's kind of how it played out. So yeah, the second half was definitely fun to watch, and and there was a lot of there was a lot of um, emotions in that stadium because you you know you did have you had a pretty good number of FSU fans there. You had the marching Chiefs doing what they were doing. You had uh, a lot of you know stuff going back and forth, including bodily fluids. Uh, it was just uh, it was a it was a, uh, it, was a it was kind of a it, it had a lot, man. It was a lot. It was a lot to take in. Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like, and, and I know uh, Corey's column says I was wrong to doubt them, but it felt like a 12 to nothing. Like it was just caving in and mm-hmm. and Florida State found a way to comport itself. I think, you know, Billy Napier might have had a little bit of an assist with calling a, a flea flicker yeah. that uh, completely imploded. They were in plus territory after the safety and then that short circuited that drive and Florida State, even though they got pinned back, they go 90 yards. I, I think they were starting to move the football, getting a rhythm, even with the spitting incident. It's not like Florida State was in a third and 15, right. and it was an incomplete pass, and that extended the drive. The way the TV broadcast presented it was like the spitting incident spurred on Florida State. Nah, Tate had already made a throw at yeah. that point. They were starting to move along. But you get to halftime, and you think, oh, my God, all of that crap happened, and it's a five-point game. And four of the points of that margin are unbelievably uh, inexplicable. They're inexplicable is probably the best word because of the Akeem Dent penalty. Did even uh, the Florida Gators beat uh, that you maybe talked with at halftime say, I, I have no idea what the hell that call was? Because I, I think that objectively has to be something that ed- anybody would look at and say, no, that's all wrong, ACC refs. Good. I actually didn't talk to anybody about that. We were talking about some other stuff, big and some big picture stuff. Um, and uh, so I didn't get to get their opinions on that. But I mean, what yep. could you say? I mean, that was just ridiculous. It was, uh, un- I mean, it's just one of those things where you're just like, you can't understand it. And again, the like uh, the one I equate it with, I said it last night with you guys, was the Josh Farmer hit last year at NC State, where it was just like, there, he did nothing wrong. We, I remember asking Adam Fuller after that game, or Corey asked Adam Fuller, what could Josh Farmer have done differently? And he's like, no, that's exactly what we teach. And my feeling is, I think we're going to hear him say the same thing about Akeem Dent when we talk to him tomorrow. Yeah. Is there anything that – so we discussed like the big picture stuff. I remember on the way out, I asked you about Mike Norvell and maybe the team's attitude at turning the page versus embracing the night and enjoying tonight. And you'd said that they – at least there was a consistent message of this isn't finished. There's more to do. And I got to see that once we signed off, Gene and I. But is there anything that maybe upon reflection, after getting a, a little catnap in the middle of the night uh, into Sunday, uh, that maybe you say, oh, that was really cool. It could either be from on the field towards the end of the game or the press room. Just anything from being there that that we wouldn't see or we wouldn't feel. I think, you know, going back and, uh, you know, listening to some of the just, you know, going back, like just again, just kind of listening to some of the uh, interactions between the players, like when Braden Fisk and, and Jared Verse are up there talking together after the game, uh, you know, they, they, they might want to go on the road as like a comedy duo. Uh, they, there's just like Braden plays the, uh, grumpy old man and Jared's the, the young guy that's constantly messing. They can have a buddy cop movie, uh, like back in the day, like in the eighties. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I really think the, 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 
you know, one thing today we talked to um, Mike Norvell on, uh, he had a conference call for the ACC championship game. They had Norvell and uh, Jeff Brom on a conference call. And, and one thing Norvell said, I thought that was a good thing, I think, for FSU fans to hear is when Tate went back in for that last play, uh, the touchdown by by Trey Benson, that was actually, you know, he had multiple calls. He he It was one of those plays where they had multiple options when he went to the line of scrimmage. And Trey and uh, Tate actually got them into the right play, which led to Trey Benson score a touchdown. I think that's something that I think Florida State fans want to hear that you know Tate in, in a situation like that can make the decision that leads to good plays. I'm sure there were other instances as well, um, but that was one that Mike Norvell singled out. So, yeah, man, I think it was just uh, the the other thing. You know, and I'm writing about it a little bit. In my three to one column is I was really just impressed by how well they did, how well they handled the the stuff, you know, extracurriculars. And I thought it was, you know, really good from before the game when uh, Florida State's coaching staff and strength coaches were like building a wall between where the Florida players were warming up and where the FSU players, I don't know what Florida is doing. That, that setup is ridiculous. You can't have Florida State's players, the opposing players, and it's not just FSU, the opposing players, you have to go through one specific tunnel in the corner to go to your locker room at the end of pregame. But the Florida players all warm up over there. And so it becomes a volatile situation anytime they're playing somebody that's a rival. And two years ago, that I thought was what led to FSU losing that game because you had that big skirmish. FSU's players got lost their minds and they played emotionally that whole night. And they, they, I think that was a big part of why they lost. And you could tell from the fact that FSU had coaches lined up there to keep them apart. And then just the way the FSU guys inter- like re- responded or didn't respond, we saw it in the Miami game when James Williams from Miami kept trying to get them, uh, you know, to bait them into, into altercations and they never fell for it. They didn't do it again. I, again, that's one thing that's, you know, it's not in the stat sheet. It's not necessarily reflective of a win or a loss, but I, but I really think it, it does play a big role and it shows really how far this team has come. Shows why Miami and Florida equal 12 wins between those two programs this year. And Florida State is at 12 by itself, too. That's part of it. This is one of those days where you get to enjoy yeah. that type of schadenfreude. But well, yeah, it, all, it all adds up, Ira, right? Yeah, and I'm thinking about it. I mean, like, you know, Miami, again, in the, in the Miami-Florida State game, they tried so many times to bait Florida State into things and should have been called for some, I mean, snatching uh, – tri- uh, Jordan Travis's necklace on the field. I mean, there were so many things that they did that could have led to personal fouls. The referees that night didn't call them. But then when the, the next week, they did get called, and it cost them a game. And then when you look at uh, Florida, I mean, their their personal fouls or you know, unsportsmanlike conducts, and then the targeting at the end really played a huge role in their loss. And you know, it's it's that's if you're a Florida fan, man, you've got to be really frustrated because that is year two now. And you're still very undisciplined at the end of the season. Just about a thousand of you here with us on Sunday Smash, presented by State Farm agent Russ Voorhees. Do us a favor, hit the thumbs up at the bottom of the video, subscribe to the channel. It is absolutely free. Ira, just a week ago when we were convening for Sunday Smash and talking amongst each other in the fan base or the media base, you're still numb that day after the Jordan Travis injury. And, and it's just like it doesn't feel real. I remember even into Monday we were doing – uh, the JCS, and it was the first time that Jeff and I were in the studio talking about it, and it didn't feel real that Jordan was not going to be a part of the rest of the journey. And in a way, I, I feel numb today on the other side. They're 12-0. and 0. They did it. Like, no matter what happens this week, and you're traveling up to Charlotte, so is Aslan, Matt Lasser, Corey's going to be there, Jeff's going to be there. 
Like, that's the first trip in nine years. We've known that that was coming for weeks now. It's an undefeated regular season. It's untouchable. It is now untouchable. It has been accomplished. That is just phenomenal. They did it. And and so it's uh, it's numb in all the correct ways that that is now this team will be forever remembered for going perfect in the regular season. You've covered quite a few of those uh, in your time here, but this is truly a, a special group. Yeah, and, and Norvell was really good about that today on that conference call as well, which people can watch the video Aslan recorded and it's on YouTube. Um, but you know, he one of the things he said was he they told he made a point to tell the team that today when they came back to they were back in Tallahassee, they had their first team meeting back this afternoon, and Norvell told them, he said, Look, man, there's only four FSU teams have ever been twelve and zero, and you're one of them. Like you're gonna and you think back to a year ago, how much they embraced their ten win season. And that was a rallying cry for them when they going into the bowl game. That was one of the things that they had talked to those players all the time about leading up to the bowl game was there's only so many teams that have those 10 win seasons up on the walls inside the Moore center. And you could be one of those teams. Well, that was cool, but there's a lot more of them than four. Well, now you've got, you're one of four teams that have been 12 and zero, and, and, you know, he said, he told them, you know, that's awesome. And you guys should be proud of that. But is that all you want to be remembered for? And that's kind of the rallying cry now is, you know, you can do more than that. You can add in an ACC championship. You can make become 13-0. You can make the college football playoff for the third time in school history. Uh, there's a lot more on the table. And, I, you know, I don't know what I don't know what you think, but I, I don't know. Like, I think – I feel I feel like there's a legitimate or maybe even a better chance of them making the playoff, I feel like, now than I did maybe – maybe going into that game. I don't know. For some reason, I just feel like uh, getting over that hurdle in the swamp was a big deal. Uh, it, yes. Yeah, so if the pregame show yesterday, put it cleanly, like Jeff and I were both on edge because you just felt like this is, this is a hurdle. And, and I remember feeling this way. I before the Miami game uh, a few weeks back, two weeks back now that if they could get through that, because you're perceiving and, and projecting that Jordan's going to be healthy the rest of the way. Like if Jordan was healthy last night, I don't look at it as a humongous hurdle no. first, relative to the Miami challenge. But I remember that night thinking, if you could just get past this, this is this is going to happen. You're going to make it. And then Jordan gets hurt. And so the, the Florida game takes on its uh, completely different uh, tenor. Uh, I thought Max Brown is a, is a worse matchup for this particular defense. I know a lot of times the cliche is running quarterbacks are always more difficult. I think Pocket passers this season for this group of Florida State defenders are easier to deal with. It So that is to say, I think that the defense matches up better with Plummer at Louisville than maybe some of the unknowns and the wrinkles that Max Brown was going to bring to the table yesterday. So it was, can you survive this one now? Can you survive this challenge? I agree. It was, um, it was a big moment. And I think also, Ira, uh, to help quell the noise uh, from all the pundits who want to say as many things, hot takes as they possibly can before the, the playoff committee show on Tuesday, that Washington had its difficulties, that Alabama needed a miracle, that Georgia only won by eight points over Georgia Tech as 20-plus point favorites. Uh, you can't single out Florida State and complain about what Florida State did last night covering on the road with a backup quarterback. I think there's a little bit of cushion there now. I, I would be stunned if Florida State was not in the top four and a one-loss team jumped them uh, in, in this latest release of the rankings on Tuesday night. So I think that all of those things add together to a bit of relief as long as they take care of uh, business on Saturday night. Yeah, it is weird how it just feels like they've been viewed a little bit differently. I don't know if it's because they're in the ACC. I mean, yes, I agree that Florida State has not looked 
Sterling in some of these wins, especially maybe in the last month. And Norvell even talked about that today as well. He said, we've gotten off to some slow starts. He thinks it was, you know, that was one thing I thought was interesting. He said today, he thinks part of it is the emotions of these last few games. Miami, rivalry game. North Alabama's senior day. You have all the seniors being on the national championship team, all of that. And it's a sandwich game between Miami and Florida. Now you have the Florida game again with a, you know, backup quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I get the idea that, you know, you want to look stronger, you want to look more impressive, but I'm kind of surprised that Florida State's not being embraced by the, the nation because this is a likable football team. You're not going to find a lot more likable players. Go watch those interviews from after the game. Jared Verse, Braden Fisk, Trey Benson, Tate Rodemaker, Mike Norvell, um, and then the journey that they've gone through. I mean, this is a team that two years ago was left for dead, was a national punchline when they lost to Jacksonville State, and here you are about to go back to the college football playoff. It's weird that they're not really being embraced. I don't, I don't really, I haven't put my finger on why that is. Yeah. Maybe it's because uh, Twitter's paying uh, money for engagements now. I don't know. Maybe they know that FSU Twitter can get involved right. and make everybody a, little, a couple extra dollars. Uh, we will have a live show again on Tuesday night for the penultimate release of the college football playoff committee's rankings. Generally speaking, our, they have not engaged in the Florida state um, besmirching like a lot of the, uh, the paid analysts do. The committee has been pretty respectful of Florida State's resume to this point. So right. I don't think they're going to get dropped, but we uh, we shall see. We've got a lot of people to thank here already who have contributed to the program tonight on Sunday Smash, presented by State Farm agent Russ Borges. Florida man in Texas, 12-0, and 0, boys. Let's get number 13 for 13 in Charlotte. Based on Coach's Sunday interview, he's been watching some Coach speak. Hashtag, I appreciate that question. Ira, did you know there was a little Aranda out there today? I didn't. That's pretty funny, though. And it's uh, it's well it's well timed with uh, Dave Aranda getting his contract extension. I love the fact that we probably, I don't know, 15 people tweeted at us as soon as the, the news came out that Dave Aranda got his contract extension that uh, people uh, are excited about season two of Coach Speak. Well, and folks, uh, I'm assuming that you guys are getting together this week or, or yeah, season. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So it was Thanksgiving week. That was the reason there right. there's the message boards are lighting up. When's coach speak. They, they tweeted at me. I'm like, man, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they're going to get back together. Yeah. So there's your answer to the 1100 plus coach speak comes back this week. It should be really interesting uh, because there's a lot of uh, exit interviews out there too. So yeah. uh, a lot of weird stuff. Uh, Garrett PCL, thank you very much for the contribution. Tate wasn't perfect, but that was a tough environment. And the way he came back after that dirty hit gives me hope against a little hope against University of Louisville. Give him one more. Yeah, I mean, oh, he's going to be the starter as long as he's healthy. 100%, Ira, right? Yeah, and the, you know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, and, I, and I'm writing about it too, but like he could not have been put in tougher situations. You know, like the the first drive they get the ball. Flores, you know, Flores gets the ball, first drive in the swamp. We all know what goes into this. There's, they've got a, a a series of plays scripted. That's what they've repped repeatedly at practice. Like that's what you're going in to kind of get your feet underneath you in a road environment, a tough place to play, making his first start in four years. And first down, you pick up four yards. It's second and six. The play with Trey Benson, if he just falls forward yeah. or just gets stopped for no gain, now Tate's in third and six, man. That's manageable. Let's see what he can do. Instead, they take a 11 yard loss. So now he's in third and 17. The next drive was where they had the delay of games, and I and I I didn't get a good feel for whether the plays were getting put sent in on time, or if there was any confusion there, or if it was all on Tate. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to figure that out. But um, and then I think the next drive there was that was when they got backed up into the six. I mean, uh, on a punt. So it was just like 
he he yeah. was always in third and long in poor field position. So I just felt like you couldn't judge him there. The best thing you could hope for in those situations, in that situation for that quarterback, in that environment, was to not turn it over. And he didn't turn it over. So, man, you're just trying to kind of absorb the punches until you can get a better situation. And then, you know, they started getting that situation. You're right. That's a great way to put it, absorbing the punches. It just felt like the game never got on level footing. And then you score before half and you feel like, okay, you can exhale at this point. But they had one offensive possession in the span of about 45 minutes to an hour of real time. And I think that if you're a a fan or if you're somebody that like, you know, or anybody that's got a vested interest in a team, whether it's because you're gambling or because you're a fan, you start to get panicked in those situations. And, and I think, you know, it was one thing I made a comment to Corey after Florida's second drive. I thought it was interesting. Adam Fuller, I don't know if you could tell on TV or not, but Adam Fuller was playing two safeties deep the first two drives. And I, and I kind of wondered how long he would stick with that because I mean, the, 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 most people would have thought you would bring a safety down with a running quarterback, make his first start. He's not going to be taking a lot of shots, but I guess maybe they felt like maybe Florida would expect that and they're going to try to get a cheap one or two. So he's playing two safeties back for a lot in those first couple drives. And it wasn't like the defense was bad against the run, but they weren't creating negative plays. You know, they 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 were letting Florida kind of stay ahead of the chains. And then, you know, the kid made a couple of nice throws, and they have a couple of runs squ- squared out. And so it's just like I was wondering, like, when's Adam Fuller going to start forcing the issue? And on the other side of the ball, like, when's – you know, Norvell going to maybe try to take some deep shots to kind of loosen up that floor. And I, they didn't really, you know, they kind of stuck to their plan and I'll give them credit for that. Cause I, I think the tendency for most of us, like you said, when the offense only has the ball for three plays in a quarter, that leads to the anxiety. Mm-hmm. When's this offense going to get going? And, and it's a first time quarterback. So you don't have the trust you would with Jordan. So I think all of that kind of played into it. Yeah, it's almost like you're trying to score 10 points in one drive because you've been waiting for so long. And then defensively, yeah, it, it was it was tough. I, I thought early on, Florida won hidden yards. They had, they had guys bottled up a lot early. Then it ended up being instead of a loss of two, a gain of two, or, or a no gain, a gain of three. Like They were in the right position several times, unable to close. And then the linebackers got victimized a couple of times um, on, on the second drive. The first drive was keyed by the ridiculous third down throw that Brown Incredible. made that I mean, Ira, that's reserved for Jameis Winston in 2013, that type of throw. It's unbelievable. I, I'm still not even sure he knows how he did it. Like, <laughs> I don't think they could rep that in practice 10 times and him complete it five times, but yeah, tip your cap, he did it. Tip your cap. They still only scored 13 points offensively on the night, and about nine, nine of them were legitimate. And I don't even know that kid makes the field goal because uh, he was a little rough. Smack was a little rough. If Akeem Dent's sack would stand, you never know. FSU fan 1993, thank you very much. 12 and 0. Go Knowles. Tom, I went to bed at 5 a.m. Catching up on the three-hour, 10-minute post-game coverage. Can we lobby for non-ACC refs for the ACC title <laughs> games? <laughs> Always love besting UF 13 for 13. Yeah, Ira, can they outsource it? Is there is there a contract they can sign somewhere that somebody else, anybody else calls the game? We definitely uh, pretty pretty confident it's not going to be Jeff Heaser and that crew uh, who we haven't seen in a while. And uh, that was um, – it was incredible. It was like, <clears throat> you know, if you didn't know that the ACC has a financial interest in the A team from the conference going to the college football playoff, you'd yeah. be like, well, clearly they sent this guy to this game to screw FSU. Like what, what other conference would screw their, their 11 and 0 team 
but maybe they would in this situation. But you kind of don't believe that just because, yeah. you know, the, the conference stands to benefit from it. But I was, uh, yeah, a little surprised to see uh, Heaser as the official for that game. Look, man, if he's the official on Saturday, I wouldn't be shocked if they cut to the sidelines and you see uh, Jim Phillips going like this. <laughs> Just smiling, just smiling. James B., thank you very much. One of the pillars. And wow. Uh, wow, thank you. Just wanted to drop a little appreciation on you guys for the hard work the entire channel and website have been doing. I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you do. Thank you, James B. Without you, without the folks here on Warchant TV, about 1,250 of you right now, we don't exist. The membership at Warchant.com, it's just we, we're not here without you. So we appreciate that maybe through some of the lean years, you guys stuck with us. And you're, you're ride or die Knowles. You're the right kind of Knowles. Because, Ira, if you stick through the hard times, yeah. the moments like this, I can tell you as a lost Acadian in undergrad, 13 was sweeter. And my, my I was a Knoll fan growing up. My sister went here in the 90s. Like, I, I'd been around. I'd seen some things. But after coming here for the lost decade, 13 was all the better. There's so many Knowles out there, especially the younger ones, Ira, that had to be just soaking this in for every minute and really appreciating where they are. It's really fun to cover. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. Um, and really, and, and you know, I think I know sometimes I, I feel like we come across sometimes, especially Corey and I, because I think we're probably a little bit more encouraging people to appreciate things, even when it doesn't look great. And I, and I sometimes I, I feel bad about that because it's like it's not our job to it's not even our right or privilege or responsibility to, to tell anybody how they should feel. I get it when people are frustrated with how the team's playing, but also, you know, we have seen the other side of it. And and I think that's part of it also. You know, if you're a fan and the team's not doing well, I know there, there are a lot of great fans, probably most of the people that are watching this, who even when the team's not doing well, will sit there and sit through every agonizing minute and watch every embarrassing play and just feel awful because they care that much. I think there's probably a lot of fans who are just like, all right, well, I'm going to go golf. You know, like – you know, this is, I'm not going to let this ruin my life. The team stinks. I'll be back later. And so those people maybe don't appreciate as much. I have to feel like the people who've been through, and like you said, the people that really go through every agonizing uh, defeat during some of those ugly years. I mean, think about where, I mean, it's just, think about the players that were lining up three years ago. Think about the, the crazy, the, you know, the, everybody, the, the turnover backpack is the, the number one punching bag that everybody brings up. But Ooh. Think about some of the plays in those games. The you know you got two players fighting over a loose ball at the end zone and ends up going back to the other team, or just you know the crazy personal fouls playing like Florida did at times in the second half of the game. So it's just uh you know it's it's always good to kind of remember how bad it could be. It got, to me, it all started with, and it's not necessarily this guy because he's a nice guy, but third and Kelly against Miami when the streak came to an end. You know it, it was still Jimbo's time, but. You know, you just felt like you weren't going to lose to them for another few years. The Platinum Bohica, as we say in JCS parlance, it was within striking distance. Slipped away. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, defeat from the jaws of victory kind of a thing. And then it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. I, I always, uh, Ira, scoff, you know, or I did in my 20s. And people said, these things are cyclical. Uh, as you get older, you realize when the when the getting is good, hop on board and enjoy it. So thank you to everybody for doing that. Buck 83 sorry I missed the post game. Was busy over serving myself. In celebration for that gator roasting, you guys are the best. Well, you are, Old Buck 83. Thank you very much. Thank you. I should say before we thank the next person that uh, Dominic Robinson, lead football analyst for Warchant.com, will be joining us in just a little bit as well. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be fun. Seth, 
run game seems to set to pop. Seems set to pop. Excuse me. A few runs last night that almost hit, and it feels like the big game is coming. Benson's first run is a huge gain if he reads it correctly. Good week upcoming for a big one. Yeah, they've been like that the whole year. Uh, but this, I think, Ira, at this point through 12 games, this reminds me of two seasons ago, kind of that that Jay Sean Corbin season where there's a lot of zeros, ones, twos, maybe negative ones, and then they pop one. And and that's what happened again last night for this offensive line, this running game. Yeah, it's um, it's because you do see those plays. You know, you look at the, you know, there was probably two or three runs last night where you you just feel like, okay, they are definitely, um, you know, if either Tate gives it or if the running back makes a different read. I mean, just there were, it it was there for them. And and that's, and that's a bad defense, you know? And so to some degree, you kind of let them hang around. You let, you help them out. But also part of that's the emotions of a rivalry game. And I think that was kind of what Norvell was saying is, you know, the Florida game and Miami game, part of the reason rivalry games are close and you can ask Alabama about it, you can ask Texas about it or, you know, whoever it is, you, you do things, you get so emotional that you don't think clearly. Mm-hmm. And so some of those cuts, some of those decisions uh, don't get made and, and that you leave points on the board. But I, I agree with him. I think I, I, that was not a situation where the offensive line wasn't giving them opportunities. They had opportunities. The second and 10, just before the end of the third quarter, where Tate throws it to Johnny on uh, RPO, the the linebackers, none of them followed Trey. And that was one where I go, oh, dear God. I, he might still be running if you just hand the ball off. Because Tate pulled it pretty hard in that situation. I think Trey was thinking, love you, my man, but give me the ball there. Uh, San Diego Chris, what's going on? Ira, drink the Avion Reserva, 44, extra, Añejo Tequila. What do you say? Chris is the man. Chris is the man. So Chris did send me that bottle. I've got it right here. I was going to save it for the ACC championship victory uh, or, or the announcement that they're in the playoff. Um, I, and I also wanted like, I want to, I want to do it in a group setting. Like I kind of want to do it in a group setting because I know Jeff wants to try it as well. And, uh, and I know you, you would as well. So yeah, I, Chris, I appreciate it. It is sitting here. It is displayed beautifully. I love it. I appreciate it. You're the best. Um, I don't think tonight's the night though. I don't know if I can celebrate a win over Max Brown. Oh, there, oh wow. Well put, well put disrespecting the Gators. There you go. Disrespect <laughs> them. Dismiss them. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate the contribution. Z chain, the official DMD of war Chan TV, like the 25.14. Very nice. Still can't believe how good our defense played last night. We have got to try and retain Patrick Payton. How does the offensive game plan need to change for Louisville? If at all, let's keep it with the defense first, Ira. MVPs of the first half. I said it last night on the pregame show. Uh, in no particular order, the marching chiefs, the band brought it, but then Braden Fisk was dominant in that first half specifically. And then Akeem Dent was dominant all game long, but he played a whale of a first half and a whale of a game. Yeah. And then in the second half, the D line took over, but they were outstanding last night. Yeah, no, for sure. Akeem definitely was. I mean, he, that is, uh, they had a few plays that, I mean, he's it. I mean, you got a guy in the open field, and those are hard. To, I mean, those are not easy tackles to make against NFL type running backs, and they've got a couple of NFL type running backs. And um, he, you know, he really did a great job. And uh, the defense front, yeah, I, I again, man, I, I don't, I know, I understand people's fear of some of these guys leaving early. I don't know, man. I, I don't think Patrick Payton is a surefire early NFL draft pick. I mean, I know he's he's a talented kid, and he's 
come a long way and he's impressive. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I, because of the way NIL works and because of the way Battles End operates and the way people are supporting the Battles End and people need to keep supporting the Battles End if you want to keep these types of players. But the way that all works now is, is guys don't have to take a risk to go out and maybe be a third, fourth, or fifth round pick and, and start making money. There's opportunities to make money while they're in college. So um, I I mean, I would think Patrick Payton stays. I still think Josh Farmer stays. I, th- I still think – uh, I mean, I think Daryl Jackson, no matter what he does in the postseason, uh, would would be smart to stay. So I think this defense is still going to come back and be really, really good. It felt like everybody took turns in that interior last night. Braden was the first act, but Fabo had a couple of big plays. Farmer had some plays. Malcolm Ray had a big play yeah. or two last night. And if they can do it one more time, Ira, they'll be in the playoff with Daryl Jackson in the fold as well. It just it, the rich get richer if they can finish the job this weekend. Yeah, and they were really. I thought they were very disciplined. Um, you know, they didn't, you saw a few plays where, uh, you know, the way they broke down on the quarterback, not let him squeak out. And then, and then even when somebody else, um, wasn't the first one back there, the, the other guys would maintain their position so that they, they really did. I felt like they did a really good job of keeping their integrity and not letting, uh, him get out for any big gains. A few more people to thank here, Sean Knowles. We need a D-Rob watch along for the ACC title game, possibly the playoffs if we make it, trying to speak it into existence. Sean, your contribution is appreciated and your comment is noted. We will present Thanks, that to Gene Williams for a final call on that one. Robert D, 12-0, just wanted to say it was pretty awesome watching Verse literally use their left tackle to sack the quarterback. Gene called it a Waffle House sack, I guess. <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> uh, Director Ben had that clip from last night. I know it's in a different part of uh, what we do in our software but if you want to load that and play it at any point director ben uh you yeah go for it but uh, it, that was that was something else man so when we were sitting we're we were in the um that was the offense florida's offense was coming towards us and we're in kind of like the corner of the end zone so all we saw was like linemen and then you saw him there and just kind of collapse and so i knew he got hit but i didn't realize what jared had done to the tackle that led to the hit and but the way Max Brown went down from our vantage point, it looked like, you know, like when a like a typhoon hits land or something. Like it was just like all of a sudden, just this force just knocked him down. And then you see when you see the video replay, it's, I mean, it's man, that poor left tackle. It felt like for the last quarter and a half, they could have had a tackle for loss or a sack on every play, on every play. It was something else. And and when you're facing a, uh, there it goes. Yeah, look at this. Oh, this no. is. <laughs> also my other favorite part of this look at farmer split the double team up yeah. the middle i mean they were just yeah reservations for three or four in the uh, at the quarterback on every play it felt like down the stretch there uh florida had negative yardage in the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter ira they uh they had more penalty yards than they did the entirety of the second half offensively I mean, the stats just go on and on for days. It was uh, quite the performance. James S. says, love you guys. But Ira, man, you got to fix that mute button when asking coach questions. Keep up the good work, fellas. Is that one of those classic cases of Zoom where, like, the handler hit it, then you hit it? I had had two two separate issues. The first time, I thought he was going to bring up the message. When we do Zooms with FSU, Derek, the way it's set up, it brings up a a notice that um, you're supposed to unmute yourself. Mm-hmm. But I, but I didn't get that notice. So I thought he was unmuting us mm-hmm. and then he didn't. So I had to go unmute myself after I figured it out. I'm not blaming him because everybody else on the call seemed to get it, but Ira did not. The second time I had hit my own personal mute button when Norvell was talking to me 
because he's answering my question because I had to cough. So I hit the mute button, but I totally forgot about it. So when it came back the second time, I nailed that part, but I forgot my, my mic mute was off. Man, it was a, it was an ultimate boomer moment, man. It was uh, two times on one call, not my finest moment. It's all right, though. You're still undefeated, just like the Knowles are right now at 12-0. and 0. Uh, We want to promote something before we give you an extra word from our friend and our sponsor tonight, State Farm Agent Russ Voorhees. That's if you want to say hello to the folks at Warchant.com in Charlotte, where we are heading this week, Friday night, here's your chance. Warchant staff meet and greet at Resident Culture. Ira will be there, Aslan, Corey, Matt Lasser, Jeff Cameron, five Warchant members strong. Warchant staff members strong this weekend in Charlotte. Resident Culture, there's the address, 332 West Bland Street. This is in conjunction with the Charlotte Seminole Club. I'm told there will be refreshments and food and music, all replete with the good stuff on a Friday night in Charlotte. That's the South End, Resident Culture, 332 West Bland Street. The event begins at 6, the meet and greet at 6.30. Come hang out. There's also, obviously, an event on Saturday as well with the Charlotte Seminole Club. That's uh, if you just want a little bit of extra game day feel, that's where you go. Uh, but Friday night, resident culture, Ira, it's the meet and greet we've been waiting to do for a long time. One for an ACC championship. Uh, yeah, it's been nine years. Time flies, but finally Florida State flies back to the top of the ACC in the regular season. A lot of things have changed since then. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, again, like it's amazing. We used to just plan. It was like clockwork. When the season started, you tell your spouse or significant others to cross off that first weekend of December, because we're going to Charlotte and uh, hasn't been there in a while. So it's, it's definitely good to get back. So this week, top storyline to you is Florida state gets prepared to play Louisville. Like we all enjoy basking in. And, and if you're in the chat right now, you still want to talk smack about Florida season being over about them going five and seven a year after going six and six in the regular season. Hey, we don't blame you, but this is a humongous week ahead for Florida state and Tate Rodemaker. Uh, has a second crack at Louisville. Last year, he led Florida State from a deficit to a 35-31 to 31 victory in Game 3 of the season over the Cardinals. Different head coach for Louisville. He brings in his own quarterback from Purdue. What do you think the top storyline is, Ira? Or maybe your observations from today's opening coach press conferences in terms of setting the tone for this week. What are you looking at? Yeah, I think it's, uh, there's, I think it's a lot of mi- micro stories. I don't know if there's a, a macro story for this one. To me, just there's a lot of interesting subplots, you know, um, you know, you look at what Louisville's done. Uh, what is this Louisville team? You know, they, they've played ex- extremely well. They have a great record, except they really didn't play a very good schedule. I remember going back to ACC kickoff, talking to other media in uh, that follow the ACC, not just one school. And a lot of them were saying, man, you look at Louisville's schedule and there's a chance they could be in the ACC championship game because they really don't have that tough of a schedule. And you know, here you are, and that's kind of how it's played out. Yeah. They And then they've got a couple of ugly losses, the pit loss, Kentucky loss, both similar in that they kind of shot themselves in the foot, had some turnovers, um, but they're a good, solid team. And so, uh, you know, it's just um, – and then beyond that, you know, you've got the situation obviously with Tate still going on. Jordan is going to be there at the game, Mike Norvell said today. So you'll have that going on. Uh, you also have our good friend Jarvis Brownlee, Still playing a cornerback for for Louisville, so there's you know there's that the matchup with him and Johnny Wilson, how it went last time. There's just like a lot of their Louisville's running backs, Florida State's receivers against their DBs. There's a lot of interesting little subplots, I think, to this game. Jordan's career started with Louisville. I mean, you know, he's not playing yeah. in the game. It would have been more perfect, obviously, if he was healthy enough. But yeah, it's it's just uh, what 
what a five-year span, or is it six now for Jordan, uh, in terms yeah, of w- watching those programs develop from where they were when he made his decision to where things are now. It's just it, it goes to show you that when, again, the times are good, appreciate it. We are going to appreciate our friend, State Farm agent Russ Forhis, for 15 seconds right now on the Sunday Smash. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. We want to thank Drew Lindsay. There you go. Long time listener. First time to comment. Welcome, Drew. We hope you enjoy us. Hit the like button underneath the video. Subscribe to our channel. It's absolutely free. Ira, before we welcome in our next guest, we wanted to uh, expound a little bit on Russ Voorhees, who has been an OG of uh, Warchant.com, supporting what we do at Warchant, and then also one of the most supportive Florida State fans you can meet when it comes to scholarships. I mean, really putting his money where his heart is, his garnet and gold heart is. Russ is an awesome guy, and he can help you with your insurance needs at either those two phone numbers or at RussForhis.com. Yeah, as you see on the uh, video, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see the video. Um, but if you go to the, if you look at his website, RussForhis.com, you'll see he has two offices, one in Jacksonville Beach, one in Orange Park. So that's kind of the primary place if you're going to do the face-to-face thing, but you don't have to be. He really services anywhere in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and uh, got a great staff and does a good, really good job. Very knowledgeable, and like you said, uh, you can talk a little bit of Knowles with him. He's uh, he's he's fired up right now about Florida State. He was texting me last week leading up to the Florida game, and I'm guessing uh, he'll be pretty fired up. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's up in Charlotte this weekend. Business is booming for State Farm agent Russ Voorhis from Sunday Smash clients. So join the list of Knowles that are supporting Russ Voorhis today. Business is also booming on Warchant TV and Warchant.com because Florida State's 12-0, and 0, and it's time to break it down even further with our lead football analyst here at Warchant. He's Dominic Robinson. Dominic, I know the Florida game means the world to you. Found away last night, 24-15. You got to be in a happy place as well. How you doing? Uh, man, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Uh, I, I can still actually, you know, feel I'm still tingling a little bit like it's I heard you guys say earlier, it is, it's hard to even believe. It's hard to fathom. Um, we're here, you know, they did it. Um, I, I can't even, I, I don't know if I could ever put into words for anyone how hard it is to go 12 and 0. Yeah. Um, really, really, really good teams don't go 12 and 0. You know, a, a lot of national champions don't end the season 12 and 0. It's hard to win 12 football games, man. Um, so uh, just to think about this team, I remember um, last year, Tom, you and I, at some point in the season, look kind of looking at each other and going, hey, this is a good team. Like, we have a good team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this is cool. Like, we have an actual good team. Like, there's not any surprises around the corner that are like, oh, dang, we suck again. You know, oh, no, we suck again. Like, it's like, <laughs> no, this team is good. Like, we have a good team. Um, but we still even had some apprehension, like, what's around the corner? And actually, there was a buzzsaw around the corner, a close Wake loss, a close Clemson loss, I think at home last year. And so it was like we still hadn't quite completely turned the corner. Well, we we, we are completely around that corner and full speed. We're 100 miles an hour. And everybody's sort of in our rear view. That's a cool thing, man. It's 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 hard to believe. It's 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 um it's exciting as heck. And 
you know, just appreciate it. Appreciate all the, all the things, all the moments, um, the good and the bad, all of it. It's just, it's just great. D Rob, I was going to ask you, so watching that game last night, did you, how worried were you the way it started and how good did you feel when they got that touchdown before the half? I was incredibly worried. Um, even after the touchdown, really? And that, and I'll tell you why is the swamp is different. The swamp is different. It is a, a, I, I, people, I I literally, I feel like I get this question or I'm in this conversation once a month. Um, (laughs) playing at the swamp is a completely different experience. And so a backup quarterback coming in any game is, is a tough position to be in. Uh, uh, you getting your first start in the swamp is just, you want to talk about a whole bunch of different factors that you cannot prepare for. You know, that is it, man. The swamp at night, it, it that place is bumping. I, I, I absolutely loved playing at the swamp. I still think I wanted to go. I, I almost went to the game yesterday um just because i love that place i mean the the hate the absolute hate that they have for us um and you can feel it on the field you can feel it the, the daggers that are being shot and i love that like i i love that but that's incredibly hard for a kid to come come into his first start at quarterback for an 11 and 0 team there are so many factors but uh but yes i was i was i was legitimately concerned any rivalry game i'm gonna be concerned um a rivalry game on the road i'm gonna be doubly concerned a rivalry game on the road with the best uh, with your with your heart and soul the reason why your program has returned being gone and a backup quarterback in this first start you the the number of the amount of concern is off the charts and on top um, of that like they and on top of that they kept getting put in terrible situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, right. and then, yeah. Put your put your guy on the five yard line. Then put him <laughs> on the ten yard line to start a drive. Like... Um, yeah, it was. A, it was. You know, it's sort of like the, any anything yeah. that can go wrong did. You know, in terms of like what you would want to happen for. Right. You know, I, I'm thinking as a coach. I'm going. Okay, and I heard you even say this. We scripted. You know, I'm sure a bunch of those plays are scripted. They're not scripted to be on the 10. Right. They're not scripted to be on the five. We're thinking we got to stop. They started with the ball on the 20. They punt it to us. We got, we're starting on the 35 at worst, maybe the 40. You know, you're not, you're not scripting thinking, hey, we're going to be backed up with our new guy, you know, uh, to, to, to start his, uh, you know, to get his start here in the swamp. And so, yeah, it was uh there there was a lot of things that that had me uh really not feeling very uneasy. It felt like the score at half was nowhere near indicative of like what was going right. on. <laughs> like not even right. close. It's like do not look at that scoreboard, man, because this thing you you know, hold on, hold on for the second half. Hold, you know, hold on to your britches on, on what might happen because um and I'll say this too. There's a couple of things I do want to touch on, but um, that quarterback over there, I'm. So, who was it? Who who covered that game? Oh, it was Herb Street. So it was ABC, right? It was an mm-hmm. ABC game. ABC was was doing uh was tugging at my heartstrings 
because when you start the a kid's package with he's an athlete, you get D Rob right away. You get me on board. Well, I want to hate the guy. I want to hate this kid playing quarterback. I want I want him to be scum. I want him to be you know doing some weird stuff like uh, Levis was doing last year, eating mayonnaise out of a uh, and coffee or whatever. Like that's what I want the Florida quarterback to be. Well, the kid comes across like phenomenally to me, mm. mainly because he's an athlete. If the guy's a, a, a multi-sport athlete, you're going to win me over like pretty quickly. And uh, so they, they start the package with he's playing soccer. He's playing basketball. I'm like, oh, great. I want to hate this scumbag. And I like him right <laughs> off the bat. And then he's an athlete. And then he makes that throw on third oh, down. Man. And I'm going, dude, this dude <laughs> – I'm going, man, I'm really upset because I'm like, I want to hate him, but I think I really love the kid. My football pants just start going crazy, my coaching (laughs) pants, because I'm just like, this guy's special. Um, You know, he's playing baseball at Florida. That's something that my son's going to do, and that's something that I did at Florida State, you know, being a two-sport athlete in college. So I'm like, dang it, man, I got to root for this guy, and I want to hate him. So, But, yeah, he's that kid looks special in in, – you know, hopefully we uh, we continue to, to put together special defenses because it's he's going to be a problem. That guy's mm-hmm. going to be a player, man. I, I, I really like what I saw, and um, I think he's going to be very good. And you, you mentioned Adam Fuller. I think uh, he Adam Fuller has absolutely won me over. I was not completely on board with him last year. I thought the LSU game, I thought he called a really bad game, and we got really lucky. To be honest, defensively, that second half, I thought we were really bad. We were playing two man with a running quarterback, and and I didn't think, you know, last year I didn't think the kid Jaden Daniels, I didn't think he could throw the ball. Uh, he certainly figured that out. He's freaking lighting up yeah. the world. But I thought I I didn't like our plan versus him last year, and so I was really skeptical on Adam Fuller a lot of last year. And uh, man, he he's won me over over this year, man. It. He's been brilliant. The way that he approached playing that guy too high and mm-hmm. and and not letting – he was kind of letting the game, you know, come to us instead of trying to force the action, mm-hmm. knowing that we were the better team. The approach was an approach of we've got the guys. We're eventually going to wear you down. You're not going to be this amped. You know, it was a great rivalry game sort of approach when you know your team is better. When you know that your guys, you know, your guys are better and you know you have a backup quarterback. Because if you play too aggressively and one of those balls spit out and they bust a 60, 70 yard run, you know, ATN or one of those guys, you're in big trouble. Like I said, you're playing in the swamp on the road with a backup quarterback. Defensively, you probably can't have the the same game plan that you would normally have. So I love that he did that, man. And that, that was something that I probably wouldn't have even thought of um, going into the game. I would have thought, you know what? We're going to bust these you know, dirt bags up from the beginning. We're going to play aggressive. And and um, and I don't want to say he was passive. He certainly wasn't passive. But he was definitely allowing them um, some run gaps early mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, let them think that they had something that they didn't really have. And really, you should. And you who saw it show up. Snap one is not going to be who you are on snap thirty-five. Right. And so, if you can can know who you are 
35 through 60, that kind of can help you plan one through 35 as long as you know your offense isn't going to turn it over. And it also Tate not turning it over and doing such a great job there. I, I thought it also showed when they got in the red zone. You know, like the the possession where they end up, Akeem Dent gets called for the personal foul that nobody understands. But yeah, that was a. Yeah. I, I thought Florida State's defense was going to get eight stops in a row down mm-hmm. there. Like I, they end up getting the the run on I think second down to score. But I thought there was a good chance that was going to be one of those all time goal line stands there because the defense once they got in the red zone, I thought Florida State's defense. I think uh, to your point, I think Adam Fuller knew, you know, even if they get in the red zone, I feel good about our chances when they get in the red zone. Absolutely. And you could see that you could see you, you, you got that feeling that, Hey man, these guys, if they get down here, it's going to be three at best. Um, And that was, and again, I thought that that was a brilliant approach because in reality, that, I mean, that, that ended up playing itself out. And that was the thing, like as a fan, when you watch, you're freaking out because you're going, ah, they're getting down there. They're getting down there. They're getting some runs. And you you want it, you want them to have zero yards, but it, the game doesn't work. Those guys have scholarships too. Their coaches get paid too. Um, you know, and that, I, I'll tell you, man, I know nobody wants to hear this, but I do believe they're on a good track. I, I think they're on a good path. They, I think they're more talented than Miami was. I think they look a little bit more organized than Miami did from a, from a scheme standpoint. And again, as long as you get the quarterback, um, I, I almost felt at times like I was looking in the rearview mirror at us when I was watching them. They remind me of us with a young Jordan Travis, um, you know, three, three, four years ago where there's a couple pieces that are pretty impressive and it's not too far away. Uh, you know, I, I I was impressed with with um, with the Gators. Good news is that Graham Mertz is uh, slated to come back next year, so that could be, <laughs> that, that could be, it could be that getting is, in their own way. That is great news because I think he's trash. He's oh, absolutely boy. terrible. Yeah, he's bad. He's a base bad. He should not be the quarterback at Florida at at a school like that. Like it, it that makes me happy. Like they should have been happy with some of the quarterbacks we had over the last couple. I'm happy if Graham, if we can sign Graham Mertz up for another year. I'm, as an old, I'm, thank you. Bring him back. Run that so, back with Graham Mertz. So how would you? I watched a lot of those games. My wife's a Gator. I watched. I watched a lot of those games. That's it's no bueno. How how would you uh, assign uh, value on what Tate Rodemaker did last night? You've talked about the circumstances. You know, add in the fact that he ran three plays. The offense ran three plays in the first quarter. They probably had two possessions in a span of about an hour and 15 minutes, D-Rob. But then based upon how we broke it down last week, and thank you to everybody who watched that video on Tate Rodemaker's film from North Alabama, based upon what you've seen from Louisville last year, North Alabama a week ago, and then what you saw last night, where do you stand on Tate Rodemaker right now? Um, I'm concerned. Probably not in the Louisville game, but in a playoff game, I'm concerned. Um, Again, if you go back and watch the breakdown, and uh, I, I don't like to do this often, but you guys go check out those breakdowns. And now when you watch them in retrospect, I've been killing it all season. Like every time that <laughs> I say that something's going to happen, um, the, the, the main topic of the breakdown, they've been dead on. I've been texting Tom like, hey, man, there it is. Holding on to the ball too long, going through his progression, 
and, you know, get, getting having pressure and not getting out. Um, and that's what happened. It happened. It happened yesterday again or Saturday. Yeah, that was yesterday. Um, again, he was put in some really, really bad situations. Um, and it, it was uh, there. There were some times where, again, and I said this during the breakdown, he made some great throws. The guy has he has a really, really great arm. Um, but he just he wants to see he wants to get through his reads and that's going to be an issue one of the things i said that they would do was screen florida a lot i knew florida would come out aggressive and we didn't see enough screens i thought um so i I hope to see that going forward wide receiver screens they did hit johnny on a wide receiver screen at one point i think he got six yards it's a good game um, but I would, I think going forward, we got to, especially early in the game, man, they talk about, you know, getting your, your playmakers touches early, how important that is. Um, I want to see four, if we're not good, cause we, we also were taking shots one-on-one, you know, one-on-one shots, yeah. but those are low percentage, man. Yeah. Let, let four get a touch in space and let him get tackled for a four yard gain it will pay dividends down the road. And so that was, I I didn't like, you know, that part of the game plan may have went out of the window when you're down and you're getting backed up on multiple possessions. You may have lost some of the screen game that you wanted, you know, when it's third and whatever, uh, 14 or set 27 or whatever that was. Um, Probably you know, not a good time to waste your best screen because you're. What are you going to get if you get twenty? You're still punting. Um, but yeah, I I thought I would see more of the screen game for Tate, um, and uh, because it's clear on drop back passes, you've got to really protect up front, and I just yeah. don't know that we have the hosses to to do that against a legit front. Um, you know, Florida is not that, and they were clearly, you know, causing problems uh, oh, with, with the rush. I wanted to ask you about that, though, D-Rob, because, like, when I was watching it, and again, I know TV, you know, I know you've got the All-22, so you may have looked at that already, but I, to me, it seemed like Florida was, Florida knew they were going to try to get the ball. Tate was going they were trying to, they were going to try to get the ball out of Tate's hands into the flats, maybe, just try to, because they were jumping everything. They were jumping every first move, and I felt like, man, if you could maybe max protect and run some double moves, maybe you'd have a chance to hit some things. Florida, they they almost picked off a screen. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were jumping stuff, and so I, I don't know if maybe that's part of why he got a little Norvell might have gotten a little gun shy about doing that, but I, I don't know what their solution is at that point because, like you said, they they're they're not a great pass protection group, and Tate needs to play with more urgency. So that's mm-hmm. a riddle they have to kind of solve. Yeah, and and honestly, this was there's on a day like today, man. I I hate to it's almost like bad for me to come on because I know I'm very analytical, and if I say something that's comes across as negative, it's not necessarily that it's negative. I'm speaking the truth, and those things are okay. Like really good teams can still have these problems. Um, so for me, there were a couple one-on-ones that both Johnny 
and um, and Ford yeah. didn't win. Keon didn't win. Those were concerning for me because that is the answer is, you know, and, and maybe there's a better, better way to, um, you know, better routes for them to run when they do get the one-on-ones. But, um, but yeah, this, the, it, I thought Saturday night, uh, Keon had a couple one-on-ones that he didn't win. And, and Johnny had a couple one-on-ones uh, that he didn't win. And, and I thought Tate threw good balls. I thought they were on time and, and all of those things. So when you, and I have, I always say this, this is my big thing. Like it's a player game the, you know, the players got to make plays. Um, you know, your, your playmakers got to have to, if they don't make that play, then you don't get to win. Like that, that's, that's the thing. He, they're one of those two guys are two of the best receivers in the country. So if you can't win with, giving them one-on-one shots, then your team doesn't get to win the game because if your best players can't beat their best players or whatever their matchup is, then you you just have to lose that game, honestly. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, you know, when a team can beat you up front and you can't really run the ball, which we struggled running the ball. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that that's to me that the, the the what it comes down to is like Keon's got to got to win a couple of those one on ones. I thought he he uh, kind of had an off day, and then Johnny Johnny was getting getting a lot of run, and um, he put put a couple balls on the ground, which is you know again those things will come back to kill you, um, you know two two games from now or even 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 this this weekend's game. Well, we get to break down, D-Rob, this week. We get to convene for an ACC championship edition of uh, the breakdowns, which is really fun to say because last year we were trying to search our way through a five and seven to wherever the journey was going. It's it's amazing how fast it's happened. The last question for tonight's purposes, it's something that personally kind of irritates me as I watch the games uh, because Coach Norvell will say, and, and I'll qualify it really quickly, I understand if you're behind the chains and you're losing first down, it's tough to go fast and it's, it's tough to go with tempo. But Coach Norvell often says on his own, unprompted, unasked by the media, we got we to gotta be a little faster. We got to move things a little bit quicker. Jordan took forever at the line often. He'd walk up to the lineman and go through his checks. I mean, it was almost like he was taking a dinner order. It, it took so long before he was ready to go. Tate did some more of that last night. They even cut to his dad in the stands at one point when they were in a goal to go. And his dad's saying, go, let's go. Yeah, I saw that. I and felt that as a dad by myself, as a coach, as a dad coach, I felt, I was like, I wanted to send him a text. Like, it's all right, dad. It'll be all right. And his dad okay. is a coach. Yeah, Every dad believes yeah. they're a coach, but he is, you are a coach. He, he is does, a coach. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I wanted solidarity with him. Like, hey, man, we're okay. We're going to be all right. Tate's doing great. So what do you make of that, though? What, what do you make of the tempo? Do you think – you because know, Mike says it aloud himself. What, what do you make of that whole idea of trying to go faster with a good idea, bad idea? Um, Man, that is a – that's a really loaded question that, as you know, I – as you know, I can go um, when it comes down to that, you know, strategy and, and X's and O's and things like that. Um, I would say that – you have to pre-plan going into the week. These are our tempo plays and know that those are the plays that Tate shines and where he's comfortable. And you can't maybe go fast in the way that you would normally go fast week one through 11, where 
you are making these checks, you are setting the protection, you are get either getting us in or out of a play, um, whether that's, hey, we're, we're going to throw screen to the right, but we're going to throw it to the left. Um, you may want to, you, you sort of kill some of the, you know, external layers of the concepts mm-hmm. and you go, hey, we're going to call these four and the, these are the four, you know, tempo plays, four runs, four passes, and we're not checking out, we're not changing protection. And then you, what you have to do is just you build in, hey, okay, if it's a drop back, this is your hot throw. If there are five potential rushers, you're throwing the ball to this guy or this space. Um, so, you know, it, it becomes a thing where, you know, again, I don't know the system and how it's taught from the beginning. So it, it's hard for me to say specifically like what they should do or can do. Um, but there has to be some sort of, you know, understanding of, Hey, this is our tempo package. And these are, this is what we're going to do. I wouldn't leave it open to, we're just going to go fast and have the whole playbook to go fast, which with Jordan, you, you would have, which is why with Jordan, even when they're trying to go fast, a lot of times you see him making changes and making checks because they've given him the freedom to get them in and out of plays, even when they're going fast. Mm-hmm. And so what you need, and, and I've actually, we've talked about this. I talked about this last year when I was coaching offense of a way, cause we, we are, our quarterback got hurt to start the season. We had a, a fresh or he was a sophomore that was supposed to be the JV starter. And we needed a way to go fast, but kill like some of the RPOs. We didn't need him reading it. We needed him to just throw it to Deuce. <laughs> so, you know, in this case, it's like, hey, we're killing the RPO version of this. We're throwing this to Keon. Yep. So, you know, that's how we're going to go fast so that we don't have you trying to process protection, run pass, and then who do I pass it to? You're just knowing I'm passing the ball to this person. I do want to echo these comments. I think you're going to put one of them up, Tom. But mm-hmm. you know, a couple of people made comments that felt like at times maybe the plays were getting you know a little late, and I felt that way. And I, I want to go back and watch it. Um, but you know, if he's not getting the play before, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, uh, you know, that's that's kind of late, especially if he's got to get everybody lined up. So especially with a freshman quarter, you know, a freshman, he's not a freshman, a first time starting quarterback on the road in the swamp, like. Felt like the plays needed to get a little bit earlier. I'm saying that just based on how it felt at the time. I do want to go back and watch and see because I think you, I can tell that off TV. But um, that was yes, yeah, no, that and that actually holds true. There were times where it was getting in late, for yeah. sure, and a lot of that happens because you're going. We would normally run this in this <laughs> spot, but it's Tate in the swamp. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and they're going to send pressure. So how do I still get, you know, sort of the concept of this play, but, you know, put training wheels on it so that it doesn't end up being a disaster, you know? So it's, Hey, we want, we know what we want to do. We want to run scissors. We want to run a post corner, but Tate's going to hold on to that thing and we can't protect it. So we got to get into a different formation than we normally get into. And we got to max protect. Okay. How do I do that? Okay, we got to go twelve personnel instead of um, instead of uh, um, we got to go twelve personnel instead of being in ten. 
you know, and then so you're doing, you're trying to do all of that stuff sort of on the run. Uh, so sometimes that may be why it's getting in a, a little bit later. We think uh, JC6782 says, hate to use an old Jimbo reference. Well, Jimbo's living life right now with the Abaya, but we just beat the damn Gators. <laughs> that was a that was a great locker room no- moment. And then Javi also, thank you, Javi. Game last night brought back so many great memories of past teams, but man, do we love this team? So you guys in Charlotte, state champs, state champs. Yeah, this is uh, this is an easy team great to root for, isn't it, guys? I mean, it's uh, twelve and zero for the third time since twenty thirteen. We're documenting, uh, documenting it all week, I should say, here on Warchant.com, Warchant TV. D-Rob and I will convene for an ACC championship edition. Look forward to texting with you in the day to come, uh, Dominic, to see what it is we're going to be breaking down, but it should be fun. Uh, Florida State and Louisville kick off next Saturday, 8 p.m. On the website side of things, Iris321 comes out on Warchant.com tomorrow. Is that right, Ira? Tomorrow? Yep, yep, yep. Get, uh, wake up Warchant podcast first thing in your feeds tomorrow morning. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 p.m., it's a loaded week. It's the bonus week we've been waiting nine years for. We can't wait to cover it for you at Warchant.com, Warchant TV. Our thanks to everybody behind the scenes tonight, like Director Ben, who is a rock for us at Warchant TV. The contributors ben, tonight, up, Ben. Florida man in Texas. D-Rob loves Ben because Ben does so much work on our projects during the week that is he, he needs to be thanked like twice over. Florida <laughs> man in Texas, Garrett, FSU fan, James B, Nolbuck83, Seth, Christopher, Z-Chan, Sean, Robert D, James, JC, and Javi, as well as Jonathan. Thank you for your contributions. And, of course, always, thanks to Russ Voorhis for sponsoring Sunday Smash. For Dominic, for Ira, my name is Tom. We will talk to you soon on Warchan TV. Hit the like button on the way out for more FSU content. Stay tuned to Warchan TV. Good night, everybody.